Yeah, uh-huh, listen up Yeah, I can see you're new to this You ain't got no job You ain't got no experience You're entry level You ain't got no qualifications, baby You're entry level Your entry level, baby. Your entry level. Ooh, yeah. Entry level. Yeah, welcome to this week's episode of Entry Level. I'm here with Nick Turner. I got him. That's right. You got him again. I know you're here to listen to me this, and, I, yeah. and Nick do the intro and not the interview with Bill Burr. Apparently, you were saying I'm a big get this week <laughs> or something like that. I yeah, this week words. is it. We got a real big get. Nick Turner's doing the intro. Got him. Five bucks he said he was going to pay me. We got him. Guys, I don't know if you can imagine this, but uh, the Bill Burr interview is fantastic, and he was cool to do it. He is actually the owner of All Things Comedy, which is this podcast with Al Madrigal. Go back, listen to Al Madrigal. Go back, listen to all all of these people uh, that I've interviewed. They're all perfect. Every one of them is the best podcast you'll ever hear in your life. Did you know that, Nick? Of yours specifically? No, anyone altogether. Of all, t- all every podcast of all comedy time, or just all podcasts, all podcasts. I have the top one hundred and forty. Whatever. Are you feeling okay? <laughs> Why are you sweating so much? I rode my bike here. It's hot out. Uh, okay, guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Nick, how's your how was your week? Um, I gotta be honest with you, Brooks. It was not good. <laughs> Go on. Well, Wait, I time, am injured. You are injured, but time out. You finally, after nine or ten months, got money for your car. Yes. Yes. That is good. Oh, did you want to talk about this week's episode of Get Rich, Nick? Um, yeah, I finally sold my car that I won on The Price is Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it only took eight months. Eight months. After winning a car to get mm-hmm. it. And how much money did you get? Um, I got uh, $17,000. Incredible. Yeah. You went on the prices right and walked out with seventeen thousand yeah. dollars and eight months of a headache. Um, such a headache, almost not worth it. <laughs> I mean, everyone who works there, okay. Mona, me. What is the dumb thing you bought with your money? Because you, you, because you know, you spend something. You get something dumb when you just immediately get. I'll tell you what I. I tell you what I did buy four pairs of shoes. Yes, exactly. I, went, I bought an order of four pairs yeah, of shoes. I knew you would, you have to get something stupid when you get that much money. And then um, I uh, started looking at shoes for Lyra. <laughs> and I got her two pairs of shoes. <laughs> and didn't you also famously win shoes on the prices? Right? I did. I won six pairs of shoes. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, also, I can't wear any of them because I'm injured. Your foot is hurt. Yes. Um, so it was a real slap in the face when they all came this week. Oh, wow. Did you, did you put them on and just kind of sit down and look at them in the mirror? Um, <laughs> no, I haven't put them on. Well, I did. You know what? I put one on and yeah. it didn't fit and I got, <laughs> I got mad and <laughs> so I haven't even tried. I'm just oh. going to wait. Dude, I got, so I got money for writing this uh, TV pilot, uh, and it all just, it came, I didn't know the money was coming and just one day a check came for $20,000 in my yeah. regular mail. And I did yeah. not know it was coming. And then I immediately bought a new laptop and then realized 
I don't have a job right now. What am I doing? In the mail, like it was a gas bill. Yes. I was like, okay, uh, gas, you know, uh, okay, I owe, I don't know, like a bank, whatever. And then yeah. what's this? $20,000? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to spend a quarter of that today, even though I don't need to. You got to get that fun purchase. <laughs> and now I am regretting it because my other laptop worked just fine. Um, okay. Let's get to this week's episode, though. First of all, guys, uh, if you're a new listener, go back, listen to some of the other great episodes. We have tons of guests. You'll love them. Um, but the most important thing that I'm trying to dive into right now is people who have worked at carnivals. I want to know what it was like. God, you're the only person, I think, in the world seeking out carnies. <laughs> Yeah. I look, if you were ever a carny are involved with a carny, email entry brooksweelan at gmail.com and tell me what it was like. Do you, think- you travel around, you bring joy. It sounds incredible, but I bet it's not. Ninety nine percent of the time I hear about a carny, it's in a police report. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. You are right. Well, this will be the other one percent of the time. Okay. Uh, Nick, I want to tell you how I'm gonna die. Oh, it's next week. Uh, Gab's uh, it's her birthday. So far, nothing surprising. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Uh, We're going kayaking on the Channel Islands, which you have to portage your own water and food. And then we're just going to kayak around those guys and camp for a week. That's where um, Catalina is. Well, Catalina is one of them. Right. These are the ones that are separated. But you wouldn't be going to that one. No, we're not going to Catalina. That's too far away. But um, there's like a bunch together. So. And you have a kayak? I don't. I'm renting one. It's uh, it is uh, foldable, which I don't think that's great for a water. Yeah, that, that one. They want you should try to get a no leak one. <laughs> Hun, I'll take the ha- the back half. You get in the front half. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll get you there. We're getting our own. Um, so that's gonna. I'll I'll come back next week with that story. Uh, hopefully. Um, yeah, well, I mean, everyone knows that, um, it's probably, you're probably not going to die in a kayak accident. It's Mm -hmm. going to be (laughs) (laughs) murder-suicide. Nobody's, nobody's concerned about where you're going. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So I might get murder-suicided or I might do a (laughs) murder-suicide. Yeah. I I literally, it's (laughs) 50-50. Okay. Okay. Uh, Okay. Either way, also the, tomorrow, the day this drops, um, I start training for the marathon that Asics is paying me to run now. So now you're healthy. Now that I'm hurt. Yes, we okay. we're, we can never be healthy uh, together. Yeah. Um, so what's happening is I'm running. I ran the marathon that Nick dared me for his podcast. Yes, that I paid you to. I you guess you paid me five hundred dollars, two hundred fifty actually, yes. because I had to move the date. Long story. uh, Long story. And then I spent well over $1,000 going to rehabilitation for my knie that I destroyed. It was a loss. It was a loss for everyone. A net loss. A win for the internet. Mm -hmm. A loss for us. I gained 20 pounds and destroyed my knee. But now it's back and I am running. I'm going to train appropriately for eight weeks. I'm mm-hmm. following this app called Runkeeper. I'm mm-hmm. going to toss that name out there again because they are paying me. Now, Runkeeper, Runkeeper. That, that's that's what trained Prefontaine, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's what actually he used Runkeeper 
uh, to drive home from the bar that night. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, that's a tough <laughs> one. <laughs> All right, we'll start over one more time. <laughs> no, Runkeeper's great. So uh, they have like, you just type in like how fast you want to run the marathon and then how many weeks and when's the last time you ran a marathon and then it builds a fucking little, um, uh, whatever, like a training regimen yeah. that I am now following. Yeah. Um, but I don't think what this training regimen knows is that I, I, sure, I did run a marathon, but it was, that's the only time I've ever run. So I think it's got me going a little too fast. Yeah, uh, you, you I'm also trying to cut 45 minutes off of that marathon time. The marathon ran Brooks Wheeler. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. The marathon won that day, folks. Yes, yes. So I ran it in three hours and six, four hours and 16 minutes. I'm trying to do a 330. I'm trying to run a three hour and 30 minute marathon, which would be just decently fast. And fingers crossed. And I'm also going to have to change everything about my diet. Here's what my record is. Okay. One and a half months. <laughs> I think that's what I put together that okay. I ran uh, enough to, right. to, yeah. So, I mean, if you want to follow, um, I'll put like a link to my run keeper. You, we can be run keeper friends and you can like, here's what's tough about it is you can and you be, say that's, that's, that's the best kind of friend. But you can watch people's progress. You can become friends on the app. And then so people can hold you accountable. They're like, hey, you didn't train today. And I'm like, I know. I don't feel good about it. So it's about meeting people. It's about meeting people and also making money. And also getting in shape. It's the perfect quarantine thing. Well, I look forward to see what your next injury is. <laughs> If you guys want to bet money, you're famously addicted to gambling now. Mm -hmm. So uh, yep. let's bet some money on what part of Brooks's body is going to break first. I say knees. Okay. Yeah, I will agree with knees. Knees have an over-under about, about 100. I do remember a quote from halfway through the marathon where you uh, were just like, uh, it's like, everything's fine except my knees <laughs> like, no problems right. only knees and then but then while i was in the middle of my knee injury you were with me when i famously broke my toe in half and then so then i had to limp on my bad knee that was the pool incident that was the mushrooms on the kern river incident oh yeah okay, the pool sorry. incident was when i jumped off a ladder into a pool and when i went to jump off the ladder i kicked the ladder backwards and did no forward momentum and just fell yeah. off a ladder I got a mo an MRI this week, and they were mm. they told me that they could see that I had injured my ankle um, in the past. Like I didn't know about it. And they're like, <laughs> "You broke your ankle." Oh, I'm like did I? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so guys, I'll put a link if you want to follow this run keeper. Uh, this uh, I think it's eight. Maybe I'm doing twelve weeks. All I know is I'm going to rerun the marathon, hopefully under three hours and thirty minutes. And I'll give you a heads up. I don't think I'm going to do it. I will try. I just don't think it's going to happen. But Nick. Let's get to this week's listener mail. If you guys are new to the podcast because you're a Bill Burr fan, because that makes absolutely sense. Uh, absolute no sense. sense. <laughs> absolute sense. No, I'm just saying, if like this is the first time you've heard it, because I know. you said absolutely. I yeah. was just no, hey, fun. Nick, I'm trying. Let's. <laughs> I'm trying. Okay. I'm sorry. You're doing great. Thank you. It makes absolute sense if this is the first time you've heard it, but if it's not the first time you've heard it, it's time for some listener mail. Email entrylevelwithbrooksweelan at gmail.com if you have any stories about a bad job that you had or, for this one, stealing from a job. I love a good stealing from a job story. Or, if you're a carny, I'd also love emails if you're a carny. All right, this one's from Brett. 
He goes, hey, Brooks, I was thinking about how much you talk about stealing from work, which I do, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which reminded Respect. me of two blockbuster theft stories when I worked there in high school. Yes! You like a blockbuster? A blockbuster. You, you hate blockbuster? You know, I, um, I had my own little scam going on because they had a deal with like my whole high school mm-hmm. career where if you didn't like a movie, you could get a free movie. You could rent a free movie. What? Or you didn't love this movie. You didn't Everything that wasn't a new release, if you didn't love it, they would give you a free one. What? You couldn't get a free one on a free one, you know, but every other one you could do. And so I just told myself, guess what, buddy? You don't love inanimate <laughs> objects. So I felt fine doing it and uh, every other movie free baby so why do you hate blockbuster this sounds like an incredible deal oh because they they're always trying to get you on something no blockbuster's bad baby okay i understand but you so you go in with men in black you say they tell me about late fees i had a problem with a late fee i yeah that i had to deal with for months they would like send letters to my Mm. house that i owed like five dollars this was a movie i never took out of the store okay i I have too many conversations. I don't like them. I I famously abandoned Blockbuster okay, I in two thousand. All right, well, I was one of the first. The world abandoned them eventually. Uh, I know, but I got out of the game earlier. Babe. One time, I was with my friend Steve, and we were, we uh, lo- we told my mom we were going to go rent a movie at Blockbuster. We were in high school, and then we smoked weed on the way there, and then uh, we just drove back. And we were really high. And my mom was like, what movie did you get? And we were like, oh, man, we forgot to get a movie. This is one of the most believable stories I've ever heard. <laughs> so we were like, it's in the car. Just like, and we drove back away. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> also, I forgot I had to go grocery shopping. <laughs> okay. So this, this is from Brett. He goes, uh, the first one was when a skinny blonde kid with long hair came in wearing a trench coat. Being from Florida, that kind of apparel is never necessary. So he stood out. As he was leaving, he kept his head down, but guess what? Beep, beep, beep. Uh, he planned um, wait, he planned it when we were busy, uh, but I still stopped and stared at him. I wasn't going to do any more than that. Why would you? Who cares? Uh, but I guess that served as a great bluff. He stopped in his tracks and said very loudly to himself, I guess I'll go shop some more. <laughs> <laughs> So, so he got caught stealing. Then goes, I guess I, I guess I need more things. Uh, I'm continuing to shop. Yeah, as the, as if the sensor beeps at people who don't shop enough. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he successfully walked through the sensor a second time without any beeps. Not all of our DVDs were tagged, so I lo- I'd like to think he stole. He at least stole a couple things. Um, I like that. I like how Brett is hopeful that this thief did get some. Some things he got. He didn't get. He didn't get the brand new Men in Black Three. He got Captain Ron. You know, he got the ones that they're like. You know, we're not even getting. You think he beeped? Had to play. Turn into playing a character. Yeah, and then kept some of the stuff. <laughs> Zero chance. Yeah, but I like how Ben is a great entry level listener. I enjoy how he honestly wants people to have stolen from his job. The second story involves yours truly as the bandit. My assistant manager told me about an option to quote unquote transfer merchandise to other stores, which could be literally any item in the store with a barcode. The insane thing was how unchecked this went. The receiving store would only get a single line on a report once a month stating the night number of items transferred and the, uh, and same with the store that transferred the items to my car. I was warned not so so he would 
He would say how many items he was transferring, give it to him, and then just keep the ones he wasn't staying. Um, and then he was, I was warned not to go too crazy. <laughs> it was steal like your boss told you. It's like, boss, look, we're all stealing out of yes, here. No, that's what his boss goes. Hey, but, but this is what we're doing. Don't go too crazy. Yeah. Guess what? Don't come over to my apartment because it looks like this store. Yes. <laughs> he, he lives in a Rick Buster. <laughs> Since the manager might notice that we used to have 20 new Xbox games for sale, uh, then we all of a sudden just had two copies of Monkey Ball, which, by the way, I fucking love Monkey Ball. You ever play Monkey Ball? I did play Monkey Ball. <laughs> I like Monkey Ball. I like Monkey Ball a lot. You played the baby? I always picked the baby. Baby monkey. Uh, incredible. Also, if you're a Monkey Ball head, email entrylovewithbrooksweeland at gmail.com. He's, uh, then he continues, I did not get caught, but the crazy thing about me doing this is that I really should have said my ex-assistant manager taught me about this fun little trick. He got fired for, you guessed it, theft. <laughs> he went a little too crazy. He needs to start taking his own advice. Yeah, and his was a weird technicality theft where he bought he brought a DVD home before it was rentable and brought it back the next day. Maybe the manager suspected he was stealing a bunch of merch but couldn't prove it. So this is a real Al Capone situation. We know you're killing people. Tax evasion. But we're going to get you for tax evasion. <laughs> I would follow the money. Yeah, so it, uh, excellent story. Fantastic. I love stealing stories. He says, anyway, I know you always say the mugs are available. Get the mug. Well, not anymore, baby. I bought the last one earlier. That's not true. I just re-upped. Guess what, guys? The mugs are for sale. I had, to go, I had to go to my Etsy store that I forgot I had and uh, renew them, which is weird to me because they're made to order. But you got to say, I still do like the, these for sale. Um, so the mugs are for sale. Get yeah. the mugs. Also, guys, uh, there's a Patreon for this podcast. Um, it's patreon.com slash entry level Brooks Whelan. I'll put a link in this episode description. Nick and I are over there. Uh, answering fan mail and uh, all sorts of other junk. What did we do last time? Oh, we're always over there. That's where we spend all our time. We spend all our time on that Patreon. <laughs> we love that Patreon. Uh, so subscribe to that if you want to help support this show. It would be very cool of you. Uh, I'd really appreciate it. Um, but also, you do not have to. These Monday ones are free. Nicholas, what would you like to promote? Uh, Get Rich Nick. Every week, uh, Nick Vaderot and I try a different way to make money quickly. And uh, la I mean, I, this week was I, I, I sold the car mm -hmm. um, in, yep. a, in, a, in a twist as to who I sold it to. <laughs> uh, big, big twist. <laughs> um, and, uh, and this week is the exciting conclusion of my healthy wage challenge where I have to lose 35 pounds and uh, do I die? <laughs> Almost. <laughs> I was with Nick. I will say I was with you the day before you had to weigh in and you go, I'm 13 pounds over. Well, uh, yeah, I'll be, that was in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different uh, look. I've done healthier things. It's incredible. I'll put a link to Nick's um, podcast in here um, and I'll put a link to some of Bill Burr's material if you're not familiar with it. Uh, it's, he was on a little show called The Mandalorian and he mm. got to drop Baby Yoda. Uh, and that's I, how I know Bill Burr. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. If, also, if you could tell Nick and I might be a little more professional for this week's episode because maybe a little more listens. But if you want to go back and listen to us, be very unprofessional. I changed nothing. Why don't you go change? Why don't you go <laughs> check out literally any of the other episodes we did? Uh, cause I have fun doing this and, and I'm really happy that I got to have honestly 
probably the best stand-up comedian in the world on my podcast. He oh, fucking rules. Well, thank you, man. Uh, <laughs> good, good and stuff. And of course, classic, I'm talking about classic. Nick Turner. Enjoy this interview with Bill Burr. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, and if you don't mind, fucking smash that five stars and give a nice rating. That would really help. Bye. And welcome to this week's episode of Entry Level. I'm here with uh, the big boss man, Bill Burr. Hey, what's going on? Not much, man. Thanks for doing the podcast. No worries. Uh, when people find out you had a biomedical engineering degree, mm-hmm. you get medical questions? No, they understand almost immediately that I didn't belong there. Oh. It's, they're like, oh, well, you I didn't. I was going to ask you because I've been slowly rehabbing my shoulder. Okay. And I'm afraid to do that <laughs> thing that Kobe, rest his soul, all of them did where they spun their blood mm-hmm. with some sort of, um, I don't know what. Is, does, is there any side effects? Do you know anything about it? I only know about heart valves, and I got fired from that job. So what? Uh, I, I tweeted some shit about my boss, and she has the internet. <laughs> and, uh, oh, no. Oh, yeah. Okay, all right, forget it. No yeah. medical advice from you. No, no, no. I don't deserve it. I was a full fucking idiot. Yeah, um, I had like 80 followers, and she was one of them, and I didn't know it. I was so dumb. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, back in the day, in defense of you, that's just some shit I would have said on the car ride home or to my roommate. <laughs> and you guys have the technology to, uh, I mean, I guess I have it too. But yeah, right. I, I don't think I would have survived social media if it came out when I was young. I, didn't, I, I, learned, uh, I learned a big lesson. Don't, she, was, it's, she was opening up a refrigerator and I was so angry and I took a photo and tweeted, uh, it's feeding time. And... <laughs> Yeah, it was, I was a bad, I was, I deserved to be, it was one of those firings where you're like, no, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't even want to show up. No. Yeah, they were like, we can escort you out. I go, I'm stealing nothing. I'm really sorry. I I apologize. But um, this is about this. This is Bill. We're, this is about your job. I'm fascinated by this. Did you feel like that was the end of your career? Like this is in that world. I'm not because I know you want to be a comedian, but is there a world where after you do that, (laughs) can you scrub your Twitter and then try to go one state over and try to look at heartfelt? That's exactly what happened. I uh, had a boss who liked me and he didn't like her. And he was like, look, tell him you quit. Give him my cell phone number with the next job. I will vouch for you. He did that. And then I worked at Caltech for two years after that. Good man. I hope you didn't just out him, but good man. No, he's a great dude. I'm going out to have lunch with him next week. Uh, oh, nice. I yeah, but this job was down in Irvine. It was a nightmare. Then I got to move up to Los Angeles. It, was, it worked out after that. Were you living up here and having a commute down there? I was living in Long Beach and just having a nightmare of a life. So I would drive right. to Irvine, then drive up here, and then get home around 3 in the morning, and then tweet terrible things during the day. Yeah, about heart bells. Understood. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, what happened to your shoulder? Um, just being a child of the 80s where people worked out, where all you did was bench and curl. <laughs> you did tries, but there was nothing about your back, Yeah, really. There was uh-huh. like two machines for that and 50 machines for the front of you. And then everybody tried to get these doing shrugs. So my back was way weaker than my front. And uh-huh. I'm sure, as you know, you don't have to be a strong man. It just has to be stronger. That's yeah. all. And it's enough to, so my posture was bad. I got bullied. So I was already like this. Then I lifted and, I, and eventually uh, rotate a cup on this side. And then I got a bursitis on this one, but oh. working my way out. Mm-hmm. Big day today. I went from the one pound pink weights to the, the purple 
Barney the Dinosaur Purple, not okay. Prince Purple, Barney the Dinosaur Purple, <laughs> two pounders, which is a big one because you're, you're increasing the load by 100%. Yeah, no, that's, so I mean, it's very okay. easy to fuck that up. So I slowly worked my, after failing so many times, I slowly worked my way up to three reps of 20 with one pound. And then today when I switched to two pounds, I just did uh, three reps of three. So for I, I went from a 20 pound total to mm -hmm. six pounds per set, just to make sure. And it feels you know feels pretty good so far. It's great. Yeah, I fucked up my knee uh, at the right at the beginning of this quarantine. We were bored, and I I told my friend I could do a marathon under four hours and a half and 30 minutes, and I did. And uh, he owed me 500 bucks, but then I didn't think about how that would destroy my knees for the rest of quarantine. Yeah, were you running downhill? That'll do uh, it. I was doing both. I also just ran out of my door away 13 miles and then back. And it was a really bad idea. It was, I'm still, now I'm like slowly up to three. I did three miles today versus, isn't yeah, I, I? If I can give yeah, any advice, you need those knees for, who knows, by the time you're my age, they could probably just regrow them in a dish. But I will say, like, uh, from someone who kind of used up all his fun days mm -hmm. and still has another 25, 30 years left on this planet. Right. And just, you know, every day I'm like, man, I'd love to drink a bottle or whatever. I can't do that anymore. I'd love to go do this and that type of stuff. So yeah. try to save up some fun days. No, yeah. I, I, they, I they know every once in a while. <laughs> I, I texted my friend today. I go, time to pump the brakes. Yeah. Uh, okay, so this podcast is about all the jobs you had before you did comedy. You did comedy really young, though, but I know you did a bunch of other shit before that. Yeah, I had, uh, I mean, we're going all the way back to my first we're, job. We're going, yeah, literally, this is how it usually starts. I say, okay, so Bill Burr, where are you from, and what was your first job? All right, Massachusetts, my first job was I had a paper route. Or okay. if you want to count shining my dad's shoes for an allowance. Okay, that's... I don't count that one, but the paper route. Nepotism. I, you can't count nepotism. No, no, no. And also, did your, <laughs> did your parents, did your dad know a guy who got you the paper route, or was he just like, go fucking figure this out? I forget how we got the paper route. My older brother wanted mm. one, and then my dad took him down. He got one, and he got the foot in the door. Okay. Sort of the first guy that goes to Yale in the family. So then we all got mm. paper routes <laughs> after that. And I basically had a job. Um since 1978 i've had i've been in gainfully employed except for one four or five month period where i was on unemployment sure and i no. felt like a loser even though i had paid into it mm -hmm. but that summer i got jacked oh yeah i got jacked because i was just going to the gym and i was picking up my check every two weeks i remember going to the unemployment office and running into a, 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 a woman i went to high school with <laughs> we were both kind of looking at each other like yeah <laughs> Three years out of high school is not working too well for us, is it? Um, okay. It was very quick. I remember it was a very quick, shameful hello. But uh, yeah, so I had a paper route and then I worked at this well, place. Well, hold on. Quick question about the paper route. Is this uh, a paper route where you have to go collect? Because there's a big yes. difference between, oh, see, that's the, not, that's the worst paper route. Well, I wasn't good about, you know, keeping records and then I also felt bad if people if they asked too much money I already been yelled at too much in my life so mm -hmm. I would knock I'd knock a week off just to or if they seemed cool I would maybe tell it to them but uh you know but I always had money so it was good so okay. I, I, you right. know, for my football cards and whatever yeah that's the weirdest part about like being a, a 12 year old with a paper route is they're like and you also have to shake down an old man 
Yeah, well, the worst was the ones they would be, hey, all I got is a 50. And then you'd collect, <laughs> your, you'd collect your whole route and you'd come back and have the money, be all excited. I'm going to see a $50 bill. Right. And they'd be in there with the TV on and they just wouldn't answer the door. You kind of got, uh, yeah, you kind of killed a little bit of your childhood asking yeah. money. Asking people to pay you the money they owed you in the third grade. <laughs> you kind of got to see like, wow, there's all kinds of different people out there. Yes. There's the nice, warm, welcoming people. There's the people that bitch. And there's the fucking deadbeat. So, you know, I, I, you know, I had a few people that they skipped on, on the rent and the papers were piling up for the week. And then I would come, you know, and, it would, and I would have to pay for all those papers. Usually it took me... I wasn't too smart. It'd take me a good 10 days of papers piling up and not smelling a body. That'd be like, all right, I think they left. <laughs> all right. So, so you did that for a while. I was in the Burr family business. I did that from, from third grade to right to my freshman year. It was starting Dude, to get weird. That, <laughs> yeah, my I mean, voice had changed. I was driving a 12-speed bike. Yeah. I kind of was starting to look like, shouldn't you be like dealing weed or something? Like, what are you, <laughs> what are you yeah. doing here? I mean, also a third grader carrying around, I don't know how many papers you had, but they had to just destroy you. That's where your back problems came from. No, no, it was, it was good. It was good because it made me a morning person. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I had to get up at a quarter to six every morning. It was 365, quarter to six in the morning. And then uh, on the weekends, uh, sleeping till seven because they had to be delivered by eight. Uh -huh. That was just like the greatest thing ever and to this day i have this weird thing now because now that i became a comedian i became a night owl and i can do either or i just need one day of help to switch over right and then i, I can stay up till four in the morning or i can get up get up at four in the morning i just i don't know it's, weird. I mean, it's a skill okay so do you do that sounds pretty chill only a couple dead people maybe by the sounds of it uh dead beats dead beats no bodies but i thought they weren't like they there were dead bodies in there when you just the papers were stacking up I'm no, joking. I was saying I couldn't smell one. So oh, I when I couldn't oh, smell okay. a body, I was thinking, okay, they must have left. <laughs> okay, okay, there we go. So no dead bodies. Then you get to high school. Uh, what's the first? Now you got to like fill out an application and get a job at like the buckle. Or what I was filed that? for a worker's permit because mm -hmm. I couldn't wait to get out into the workforce. And I remember I had a teacher. He goes, what is your rush? You got your whole rest of your life to work. It's so exciting. Hang out with your friends. Yeah, and but was, you want to get out there. Yeah, I was also introverted and I was a loser. So I might as well at least make money mm -hmm. during my alone time. So I worked at this place called Morse Shoe. And uh, it was a, I think it was a big shoe company. And it was right as computers were taking over, but they still needed people to sort of bridge the gray areas. Yeah. So we used to, my whole job was for like three hours, I would have these, these spreadsheets <laughs> and I would have to look at a number and walk over and pick, a, it was like a, a little manila card that uh -huh. had all these indentations that was gonna be fed into a computer. And oh. my job was to hand pick those each order for like, I mean, I don't know how long. It was so, like from the second I got there to like five or 5.30, I fucking hated that job. Yeah, that sounds like a full warehouse job where you're not, you don't have any warehouse buddies. No, yeah, that was, we, we existed between the warehouse and the carpeted area. Okay. Where people yeah. just sort of passed through on the yeah. way to the break room. And it, it was, yeah, it was awful. Because the warehouse can be fun. You got buds, you're hanging out. The other area can fun, you buds your hair. You're just literally a computer. You're a tiny. Yeah, warehouse, I had warehousing jobs. Those jobs ruled. Yeah, exactly. Okay, good, good. 
Uh, so you did that doesn't sound great. And then what do you yeah. move on to after that? Well, I never, I, I didn't like it. And, and, uh, as was how I was back then, I should have quit. Okay. But my parents instilled two things in me, uh, never quit. And if a situation isn't working for you, just don't say anything and continue <laughs> to plow through it. So I learned both of those things. <laughs> that was my first job. I tried to quit and the la the woman, it was like a little tourist trap. She would call my house and leave voicemails on our family answer machine to be like, you need to be here Sunday. And I'm like, I don't want to go there. And my parents are like, she needs you. You have to go. I'm like, yeah. it's a nightmare. Yeah, uh, it's a terrible lesson. To there's, a, there's a fine line between teaching kid responsibility that life is tough and sometimes you have to do things you don't want to. Yeah. There's a fine line between that and then teaching somebody to stay in relationships for years that aren't working for them. <laughs> Both romantic, friendships, business. Yeah. I, I unlearn all of that. <laughs> so, um, so you don't stay there too long. Well, it sounds like you stay there too long. It wasn't that long a job. It was sort of a finite thing. And I remember we would work to 5.30 and the boss would leave at 5.00. And one day I caught her looking over at us and I knew that, you know, she knew that we were fucking off. So they, yeah. they made us leave with her because um, obviously we weren't getting anything done. So after that, um, I think I went back to delivering newspapers in the morning, this time by car. <laughs> I had a pickup truck and I would deliver these things. I would make money in the morning, then go to school. And then after school, I got a job at Cumberland Farms. They okay. Were, you know, factory and i loved that job and that was once again bring uh taking away used computer paper stocking up computer paper and i was i was sort of between the warehouse and the carpeted area again uh -huh. and i just sort of stayed in there by myself i gradually got to know the warehouse guys but i was really quiet really shy i did that and then i moved on to uh this place corporate software which was um this is pre-internet, so everybody back in the day, if you wanted software, you had to go to this company, and then go to this company, and go to this company. They became like a hub where they got they bought all this software, and you could just call them. I need ten load. I need a box of Lotus one two three. Uh, what was some of the? I'm trying to remember some load. I trying to remember some of the software. I I don't know. It was so so long ago. Yeah, so we would just stock the shelves. That was my favorite job I ever had. Okay, how come? Why you just got to hang out, stocking, fucking around? It was it was good money. It was great people. It was a great company. It was a young company. Okay, a growing company. So everybody was sort of young and had their whole lives ahead of them. Christmas parties were great. Uh, really funny people. And I and I one of the guys that worked there wanted to do stand up too. Okay, he verbalized it out loud, so it it, it stopped being like this fantasy in my head. It became real and. I swear to God, if I didn't meet that guy, like, I don't, I don't know that I ever would have tried it. Because well, I was well, just so beaten down right, at but that you, point in my life. And did, how old were you at this point? Like, uh, into high school or what? 19. Uh, no, when I started working there, I was 18. Okay. And I kept working there in 19, 20, 21. And I so, had a brief where I left briefly because I was getting concerned about turning 20. I needed to have a career. So I tried construction and I lasted eight days. And I was just like, I, I'm not good at this. No, I, I was beating the shit out of my body. They basically commandeered my pickup truck and I didn't have the balls to ask for <laughs> gas money. They were totally using me. So I worked eight days, quit, and never showed up for my check 
because I was too afraid the guy was going to yell at me. I was yeah. really, I, I was I got, really like, I was a walled off, fucked up little kid. I got fired. I was a, don't, I'm not going to come back. That's fine situation at construction one time where then I was like, I don't want my paycheck because they're scary fucking guys. And I was 18 and my mom's like, I'll go get your paycheck. And I'm like, don't go near them. And yeah. she, she got it for me. Uh, which was, you know, well, totally emasculating you. She yeah, should have no. made you go in and get it. No. Yeah. I was like, mom, this is going to make me look worse to these guys. They already don't like me. Uh, uh, you got to do that with kids early on. I had uh, one time one of my nephews came to New York when, uh, when I was still living there. And I remember I made him uh, go into a deli. I go, uh -huh. get, go in there and get me a paper. And the, de the paper was like a dollar or something like that. So I said, you, you don't have to stand in line when you're just getting a paper in New York. You just go, you know, post or daily news yeah. and put it down. So he's like, all right. And he did it. And then after that, you know, half hour later, I had him hail a cab. And I just <laughs> did that for a couple, two, three days. And then he said, like, like the third day, you only stayed for like three days. By the third day, he goes, man, he goes, I'm starting to feel like a New Yorker. And I was, and I was doing that because I didn't get that enough. Right. When I was a kid, just for my personality. My parents were great and everything. We just had a million kids, so you yeah. couldn't really. I'm, the first time I ever hailed a cab was I was in Chicago and I hailed it. Uh, and I was 19 to go there to do stand up. And then I tried to get in the front seat and the cab driver was like, you know, what are you fucking doing? Yeah, I was like, yeah. I was like, it'd be <laughs> weird, right? Since there's only two of us, I ride up here with you. And he's like, absolutely not. Like, uh, I was very embarrassed. Um, but that's I got worse one than that. Okay, what happened? My dumb ass, I came down to New York City. It was coming out of Penn Station. And this dude just says, you want me to hail you a cab? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, follow me. And I start following him with my bags. And we're going down like this dark alley. And my brain is screaming, don't do this, don't do this. But I still have that, don't make it mad, you know? <laughs> yeah. Don't get yelled at by dad. So I followed this fucking guy down there. And then the cab pulled up and the guy goes, all right, you pay me. And he's like jumping up and down trying to get the money. He took a 20 out of my wallet as okay. the cab driver was going, no, 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 no. Right. And I get <laughs> yeah. in the cab. And I remember it was this, this Asian dude. And he was just yelling at me the whole cab ride. <laughs> he goes, what's wrong with you? Where you from? You don't pay him. You pay me. Where you from? Yeah. And I was like, oh, I, I didn't know. He goes, no. He goes, let me tell you something. Somebody come to you in this city, you tell them, get the fuck away. <laughs> because they keep coming at you, you say it louder. Get the fuck away. And he just fucking, it, it was really great advice. Yeah. But he was yelling. And once again, I was getting yelled at. And I was so <laughs> embarrassed. I was so fucking embarrassed. And I was like 26, 27. That's how sheltered I was right how fucking like like I I didn't end up in somebody's trunk just because that guy didn't want to do that that's right. a, and then then I just grew exponentially because then immediately I was alone in New York when New York was still New York Giuliani was just starting to you know put the police truck down uh Washington Square Park but you know Thompson Square Park Alphabet City everything over there was like everything was was scary yeah, I you know I had like crackheads underneath my my stoop and shit. I lived on um, yeah I lived on D when I lived in New York and it, it was nice it's it's fine and I got in a cab one time I was like hey you know third and D and he's like I'm not taking you there I'm like that's where my home is like it's okay right. now yeah 
Yeah, um, no, it's it's real. I got a buddy of mine actually lives over there, like bought a place which was just it was just on her. Like it was it was so like you know, I you maybe you could you go there during the day. Right. The day shift's always fine, even in a rough neighborhood. That's a bunch of people going to work and they're trying to work their way up. It's that second shift yeah. that is given into I can't get out of here. No one cares about me. No one's going to give me an opportunity. I got nothing to lose. That's what you don't want to run into no. when you're dumb enough that you think you got some guy was nice enough to be a concierge to get you a cab. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, it was no good. Oh, I, also, I was just given terrible advice when I moved there. They're like, you're going to want to live in Manhattan. Uh, and I was like, I'm broke. Why do I have, like, can I go out there? And they're like, you need to be in Manhattan. And then so I found the cheapest place I could. And it was right. Not well, great. now all you youngsters, you guys all like the scene kind of all moved out to Brooklyn, right? Yeah, they all, I, then I was the only guy in Manhattan. I was, it sucked. Right. I was like, guys want to come in? They're like, to D? You're fucking nuts. Uh, come out to Greenpoint. Um, but okay, so you- But they got you, the Second Avenue subway now, right? Does that stop at like 14th? It stops, yeah, you could either, you, the closest you can get is 1st and 14th or 1st and uh, Houston. I lived up on the Upper East Side and I was on 79th in York in that Second Avenue subway. They, during my time there, they said that they were gonna start it up again. And that was like this fantasy because you, you had to walk like five city blocks and then two blocks down. Yeah. So in the wintertime, you froze your ass off in the summertime when it was just hot as balls. It, it was, I, I like read up on that whole thing of why it stopped when it, you know, they started to build it. They yeah. built the stations and because it started on the Upper East Side and finished on Wall Street, people started calling it the snob way because it was just for the rich white people to go down. It was their own private subway. So, and then New York was going broke. So what they did was they completed the stations that they started. And there was all these rumors about how they were, they were beautiful. They almost, they made it sound like they were lit up underground. Oh, and that yeah. these homeless people were squatting down there. There was all this crazy shit. So I, I finally took it last year when I did that movie with Pete Davidson. Oh. I finally went up there on the Upper East Side and I was like, I'm gonna take this fucking thing because I, I used to fantasize about this thing being open and being able to take it down to the village and then walking over to the Boston or the cellar. Yeah. In your brain, like at that time, it's like an 1820s uh, like railway car where there's fucking dining and shit. Um, I have one thing to say. Uh, I so I was in New York. I was like just running sets or something for some late night set, and you dropped in on Gotham on a Gotham set I was running a, a set on, and you had the mustache, and I didn't I didn't want to be like what's up with you what's the mustache <laughs> and. <laughs> You went on stage and it's a big fucking mustache. And I'm like, I don't know what Bill's going through. Uh, <laughs> and you did not talk about the mustache. And the whole time I'm like, talk about the mustache. Yeah, and that, then, was, uh, that was definitely an extreme look. Uh, it definitely <laughs> worked for the guy that I was, uh, that I was playing. And I had, I had, you know, obviously I'm a comedian first. Right. And I'm still learning how to act or whatever. But uh I definitely learned like actors. I like, you know, actors I saw were good at stuff. Like mm -hmm. they put a hat on and all of a sudden they just start becoming something else. There's yeah. a guy, Justin Long, does a voice on this show. I do F is for Family that is fucking amazing with that type of stuff. That guy's funny as fuck and a great actor. He's hilarious, but he like, like the first time when he did, uh, he does the role of Kevin Murphy. Okay, yeah. I like, and yeah, I know that show. Okay. Yeah, and the first season we were in the booth together, I couldn't look at him. 
he was so committed. And he was just like, you know, he's, he's in like the teenage angst, like, I wasn't doing anything. He just, yeah. he just had this look on his face. And he was so, like, he wasn't there anymore. And uh, like, so anyways, I, 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 this was the first acting gig I had where like I had the mustache on and like I had the mustache and I just, I my like my literally my asshole. I'm already an asshole. It went up by like thirty percent. Oh, really? And my consider like when I was on on like doing scenes. Yeah. And my consideration for other people, like I have a crushing need to be liked. Uh huh. So that just went away with the mustache. So I I, I kind of felt good as far as like oh I'm starting to get this acting thing a little bit better. Like like getting better as a comic. Right. Like oh now I can do a little bit of an act out like with. With acting, I was like, oh, I grew a mustache and it made me feel different. I behaved differently. Well, yeah, and, uh, I, I just remember when I saw the trailer for Pete's movie, it solved like an eight month question I had about you. I was like, oh, uh-huh. that's why I had a mustache in the middle of, for no reason. He was for a fucking yeah. movie. <laughs> that's usually uh, a good guess or you're going through, yeah, yeah, that's it. You have an acting role or you're going through some shit. That's what I have, I was like, Bill's going through this- off. I'm shaving this my beard off right after this thing. Okay. Well, I I did the shave off, and it really made me realize I have uh, gained weight, and I need to chill. I need to pump those brakes, like we talked about earlier. Okay. But let's get back up to uh, you're in Boston. Did you always want to do stand up? When that guy was like, "Hey, maybe I want to do stand up," you were like, "Me too," but it's been secret the whole time. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely w- would want to do it more than anything in the world. But I, I, I said like I was so walled off. And it just seemed so far away because there wasn't YouTube. Like, yeah. it wasn't like you had like a phone. You could just film yourself. Like, you guys are so like camera ready. I feel like your generation, you just grew up being videotaped, posting shit, seeing mm-hmm. how stuff played. So stand-up comedy, I, I mean, I sort of knew it was in New York. And I knew that there was Nick's comedy stuff. But I it just, it seemed like it was all the way out in Hollywood. Like, I yeah. would have to pick up my shit and move all the way out there. And, and it just seemed so... I, I just seemed impossible. And, and I was just working with this, this dude. And he said, one day we were hanging out and we were watching one of the stand-up shows, having a couple of beers before we went out. And he was like, Bill, we're funnier than these guys. It was toward the ends of the eighties where they were just throwing anybody with a pulse on. Right. On TV. And also you, when you haven't done stand-up, you immediately think you are funnier than the stand-ups because you are stupid. Yeah, until you walk into a club and then yeah. you're just like, oh my God, yeah. I can't believe I'm going to do this. I remember uh, watching like premium blends and being like, I'm funny than these guys. I was 14. I would have shit my pants in one second. Yeah, but you have to have that arrogance. Yeah, there's like a fine line between like a psychopath and like just the right amount of delusion, but it can't be like too, too much delusion. You got to yeah. throw yourself upstream. You got to believe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so once he said it out loud, he said, you know, we're funny of these guys. One of these days, I'm going to take a shot at Jack Daniels and go up on stage. <laughs> for some reason, that just all lined up. And I was like, oh, I can, you can just, there's stages around here and you can just sign up and go open mics. My brother's a musician. He's playing open mics. I could do open mic comedy. I yeah. get it. So no, I that, was, a, that, was a, um, that was a watershed moment. That's, I lucked out huge. I had a brother six years older than me who was a bartender at this comedy club in Cedar Rapids. I didn't know existed. And he was just like, hey, we'd have an open mic night when I was like 15. And I was like, what? And he's like, you should come. And thank God that he worked there. Otherwise, I would have fucking never knew about it. Yeah, I still have panic attacks. 
Like, I, I think eventually I would have done it, but I probably would have started at like 27, 28. Yeah. I, I was, uh, you know, I've been, I've been late on everything. Nothing, but you started standing way early. When did you, no, when did I you was, first? I was almost 24. That's almost, that's oh, almost okay. late. Yeah. I mean, that's when you can still squeeze in. But I mean, I started out with guys like Robert Kelly and Dane Cook and, and Al Del Benny. They were all like 18, 19, 20 years old. So I was like two, three, four years older than those guys. So I kind of came in feeling old. Right. But I like, um, here's how Che put it. Cause Che and I were worked together uh, in New York and I, he's, you know, he was 26 when he started. And he said like the benefit of starting late, he's like, I had a life experience to talk about. You were coming out of your parents' basement. Like he's like, it was, yeah. But yeah, he just was making me, feel less bad about how he'd been doing stand-up a year and a half and we were at the same place. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's a great way to mind fuck yourself. Start looking yeah. at other people where they're at. And because and, 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 when you do that, you start acting like there's some sort of, uh, like, a meritocracy like yeah. to this business. There's, there's no start in the mail room. Right. And then go here and then get your first junior executive job. It, it's, it's um, this no. business, it, it's like this. And you'll be, there'll be someone you're looking up at and all of a sudden you're past them and then they pass you again or they, you guys, next thing you know, you guys are working together. It's, it's, really, it's really, it's your own journey. Yeah, 100%. Let's get to how you got fully into comedy. Because like, what were you, you worked at this place and then you tried construction for a sec. And then what Back leads- to that place, then got another job uh, at a different warehouse working night shifts because by then I had to get through college I was at UMass Boston, then I transferred to Emerson College. And Emerson College, from like January of 91 to December of 92, I blew through three years of college. I picked up a whole year over the summer. I picked up a semester each summer. I just went straight through because I was, I was, I had to get out of there because I was like, I remember um, in the beginning of 92, I took a core requirement class and I was 23, almost 24. It was right before I signed up. There was a talent contest at Nick's Comedy Stop, Find Boston's Funniest College Student. And I read it at the, uh, the Emersonian, our, our school newspaper. Right. And I remember I took a core requirement class. So there was you know, everything from freshmen to seniors. And then me, who was like two years older than a senior or a year older than a senior, when I saw 18-year-old boys and girls in my class and I was listening to them talking. I was like, I've never, I've never forget that feeling of what a fucking loser. They were like children. <laughs> I can't even explain to it. Like their fresh faces, the uh, shit they were talking about, um, dude, their, have, their, whole, their whole look on the world. And I was just sitting there like this grizzled vet. I felt <laughs> like I was in the last year of my NBA contract and I somehow was in my 18th season and some, you know, some young kid came into the league early almost, you know? Yeah. So. I, I was out on audition like a, a year ago, and I realized, like, there was two people in the room for this TV show, and it was me, like a 32-year-old guy, and then a 8-year-old boy. And I was like, we have the same goal. That's not – I don't love that. Yeah. That, like, me and this kid are both like, I hope we get the – like, what am I doing? Right. It was very – Well, uh, I would say do that for the bit. Think like that to get a bit out of it. 
but don't think like that. No, exactly. I went in and I was like, and I did open. It was like, me and this kid have the same goal. And they, they did not like that. The bit, I tried the bit in the room. They didn't like it. I'm done with the bit. But it was just weird to be like, how do me and kids do the, but yeah, it's different when you're in college. You're like, we're learning the same material. Um, so you freak, you had like a freak out. And you're like, I got to get the hell out of here. So you just blow through it. Yeah. So I was blowing through it. What'd you get a degree in? I forget. Somebody asked me that the other day. I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a uh, I think it's a BS in communication. Okay. With a, with a focus on radio. Somebody just asked me the other day and I couldn't remember what the letters were. I, and I was like, I think it's communication. I mean, dude, you're going back like 30 years. So I, um, <laughs> yeah, I signed up for a, a, a talent. I, I made a new year's resolution. Okay. January, 1992. I'm like, at some point during this calendar year, I will do an open mic. I had to give myself a whole year to do it. And the second I said that, you know, if you're spiritual and you believe in the universe, man, uh, like two weeks later, I was at the, uh, where the Emerson Library used to be uh, before the whole college moved. Um, and I just saw it said, you know, a stand-up comedy, Nick's Comedy Stop, find Boston's Funniest College Student. And I went home because I was a commuter, had no friends. I went right <laughs> home. And I just picked up the phone before I chickened out. I just called. I said, hello, my name's Bill Burr. I would like to do that competition. Yeah. And so many kids signed up that they had to give us two weeks because it was more of a performance school. And they pushed me to the second week. And I gladly took it and then felt like a coward afterwards. Yeah. So I started March 2nd, 1992. And this guy, Billy Martin, who's now uh, one of the big shots on uh, uh, Politically Incorrect with Bill Maher, Somewhere, I think it's in my parents' house, I have the cocktail napkin where he wrote Rita. And there's this woman, Rita Choice, who uh, booked Nick's Comedy Stop. And he just wrote that and had the number. And I'll, I'll never forget that because it was a real weird time in stand-up where there was a lot of headliners discouraging younger yeah, comics. Yeah, the, the, the terrible logic of like, you want advice? Get out. Yes, and a lot of them had done blow throughout the 80s, got paid in Coke and cash, and the tax man came and they were getting their wages garnished. Oof. So they were not really uh, the most encouraging people. No. And this guy was just totally like, you know, great guy. Oh yeah, sure, you call this number, sign up for an open mic. And I uh, became one of, one of the really like great mentors I had when I was coming up. That's incredible. That's yeah. your first open mic? Yep. That's awesome yeah so i didn't win the competition this woman went up i forgot her name she she killed and uh and uh you know i forgot my act and i sort of improved it and i just got off stage bailed couldn't even do five minutes but, it, but for me it was it wasn't even about i didn't even want to win it i didn't yeah. want to win you, you, you i wasn't ready to handle winning anything okay. i just wanted to just they call my name just go up there just do it. And I remember driving home in my piece of shit truck, listening to Motley Crue kickstart my heart. Oh, oh shit. Child from the 80s, just like, woo, woo, like Ric Flair screaming yeah. the whole way home. And I didn't have a good set. <laughs> I was so fucking elated. Yeah. That I, that I did it. And um, I've just been doing it ever since. That's great. But you, um, yeah, I mean, that's the dream. I, I, did, I went up, did the open mic, and then just was, was like, can I work here? And they were like, well, we know your brother, so sure. So then I just ran the lights at Penguins and Cedar Rapids and then got to watch, you know, 
comics. Oh, that's too. a great club. I only got to do that one time. Man, I did, did the one in the, is that the one in the quad, is that the quad, part of the Quad Cities? Well, there's one in the Quad Cities, there's one in Cedar Rapids. The Cedar Rapids one was like a basement 80s vibe, like smoke was like six inches into the wall. Uh, and then, but then that was the best way I ever got to learn comedy because I saw Jimmy Pardo early on and I was like, he's doing magic. And then when I realized, oh, he can make it seem like um, this is spontaneous without it being exactly spontaneous. I was like, this is fucking blowing my mind. So I get to watch five sets every weekend because there's no stage time in Iowa. And that like- Yeah, he was, was a like, Chicago guy. I would think that you saw a lot of the Chicago guys like Jimmy Dore, Jimmy Pardo. Yes, yeah. All those the were, Jimmys, all the Jimmys from they, Chicago. They would come through and they were fucking rad as hell. Yeah, it was yeah. amazing. Um, okay, so, but now you have the bug. Now you have to do it all the time. Uh, what are you doing for money? Or did you just go straight? Oh, I was, I was working uh, with my dad when he was still practicing at a uh, dental office in Brockton, Massachusetts. Okay, so you're like, what does that mean? Because you didn't go to school for that. You just like... No, but I, uh, to be a dental assistant, I had to go, I had to pass. The amount of tests that I've passed that have never made me really any money. <laughs> like I got certified to take x-rays I got certified to sell health insurance. Okay. Uh, right now, you... I'm trying to get my instrument rating and a pilot's license. Oh, shit. Wait. I'm so kind you... of a big believer, though, in, like, taking tests after you've gone to school. Like, when I, I took, like, with the instrument rating, uh, there's a written test first. And, and, and it was something I was meaning to do. And last summer, when I, right when I got to New York, um, about a couple weeks staying there, this guy crashed a helicopter on the roof of a building right diagonally across from where I was staying. It's actually the building Caroline's is on. Oh, shit. And I was in my apartment when he hit it. And I was walking out, didn't even hear it, got okay. in an Uber. And as we went across uh, 7th Avenue, my wife looked down and goes, oh, my God, what's going on down there? I said, like, yeah, it's probably a street fair. It was everybody running out of the building oh, thinking it might God. be a terrorist attack. Yeah. So... Um, it's coming up on a year. So the, it usually takes a year for the FAA to come out with the official okay. uh, accident report. But what people think was he got involved in, um, you know, instrument weather, basically, where you, you can't, you can't fly visually anymore. So right. you have to fly by your, your gauges. And he panicked and thought well, his attitude was like this. And he was actually like that, which believe it or not, that you can, you can be, you can be any, any attitude whatsoever because your equilibrium is not going to tell you. Okay. It's going to, yeah, sorry. So Have anyway, you, so no. that, after that, I, I ended up, uh, I was like, it's terrifying to see yeah. that. Somebody die like that doing something that you do. So it's like, I need to fix that problem. So the movie ended and I, and I, I started training with this guy and I, I went to take the test. And uh, I took the test in December. And I remember I put my hand on the mouse. You had to take it by computer. Okay. And I, my hand was literally shaking. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? And you had to get a 70. I got an 85 and I passed. And now I got two years to do the actual, the, now, now, you, now you, I have to go do it with an instructor. Yeah. Um, I got to take my check ride. So I'm trying to pick that up now that my wife, you know, we had our second kid. Things are settling down. I'm going to try to pick that back up again because... I really, um, I, I kind of have to be, I've learned with my depression, light depression, that as long as I'm learning new things, uh -huh. I, I, I kind of blow it off me. 
and the excitement of life is still there. It's when I stop, which is this pandemic's been a motherfucker for me. Yeah. Is all my demons and my unworked out, my regrets. Dude. The people I hurt, all of those memories come back and I just sort of get engulfed by it. So Dude, that's, that's, that's why. I'm shaving off the beard of woe here. Yeah. Clean shaven. I'm going to, I'm going to get back to flying. That's, I get what you're saying because the happiest I ever was in my life was when I was a full-time biomedical engineer and in full-time comic because I couldn't think to be sad. I was so busy. It was just yeah. like perfect. And then once I got to go to full-time comic, I'm like, well, now this is kind of, this is my goal, but I wouldn't mind going in and do a solving a fucking puzzle every once in a while. Yeah, uh, well, that's why, you know, I got to tell you a lot of comics avoided. I avoided it for a long time because I didn't see happily married people when I was growing up. Um, uh, getting married and having kids is a great way to eat up a lot of time where you could sit there thinking about all the things you fucked up in life. Okay. You just don't have the time to do it. And uh, it's actually, you know, it, 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 there's a fine line with what we do where you have to be sort of established enough mm-hmm. and then also realize that you're never going to be ready for right. that. And that yeah. when that happens, you just, just nature takes over. That's one of the craziest things ever is when you, when, when after your wife gives birth and you've been there a few days, everything checks out and then they just give you your kid. Yeah. They're like, all right, see you later. And you're like, when you have that first one, it's just like, they're like, don't worry, you're going to figure it out. Sure. And, and you, yeah, you, you somehow, you somehow do. Oh, great. Uh, so I, we'll wrap up here pretty soon. I just want to get to the, like, the, the last job you got where, you, where something worked out in comedy and you were like, realized, like, I think this is going to work out. Like, this I life- I think I always true. thought it was going to work out. I always just, I just knew that being a comedian was what I was supposed to do. It's one of the few things in my life that I ever 100% knew. Okay. You know? Like, uh, I just knew I was going to be all right. But I, I, there were a couple of times when... Um, like, you got to quit I, your day job. Oh, yeah, that was... Well, I never really was like, you know what? I'm quitting my day job. What happened was I moved to New York with the intentions of getting another job in a dental office. Oh. I certified to take x-rays uh, <laughs> license. Wait, how do you get certified to take x-rays? I got to go back to that. So you just took x-rays? You're like just a No, dental- you had to take a class. I went into Tufts University and um, I believe it was for x-rays. Yeah. Because, I mean, what you're doing could hurt somebody. And you, with the radiation, you don't want to be taking 50 pictures where if you knew what you were doing, you could get it once. Right. Um, so you're putting yeah, the lead- They're not you're- just going to let you just stick a fucking <laughs> you uh, know, radiation tube. in somebody's brain. They're not going to let you do that. <laughs> So, if I, like I said, I'm going back 30 years. I don't know what the regulations and stuff like that no, are. No, for sure, for no. sure. So, how long did you do that, though? You were doing that for, like, a few years or what? Five years. I did it from 22 to 27, and I was like, when I turned 27, I remember how old 27 used to be to me. Yeah. I was like, I have to get the fuck. I was still living at home. I was a fucking loser, man. No girlfriend. <laughs> still driving that piece of shit pickup truck that I but bought you- when I was 17. I drove it for 10 years. Smartest move I made, though, was when the engine died. Rather than buying a new car, I, I, I put a new engine in it just so I could, I'd rather pay off an engine than a whole car so then I wasn't chained to my, my job. So as luck would have it, I had an engine fire and the truck burned down on the side of the road. 
which really to me meant like, okay, your time here in Boston is done. Oh. I moved to New York with full intentions of getting a day job. Yep. But I had saved up money, paid off my student loans, um, and I had a nest egg, and I was just watching it going down, you know, eating pasta every night, not taking cabs, walking everywhere and taking the subway. And um, for the first, like, six weeks, I was thinking, I got to get a day job. Yeah. And then I got a couple of gigs. And then somewhere, the mindset went from, I got to get another day job to, I, I need to get more gigs. Okay. And I ended up working with this guy, uh, my first manager, this guy, Jamie Ducat. And he started getting me gigs at, like, the Lake Ontario Playhouse and um and and rascals and governors go bananas and pips and all yeah. these legendary stand-up places that were around i don't know how i think a lot of those are still around yeah i've done a couple of uh but not pips where was pips i don't remember but i've never felt more not italian in my life <laughs> not like i ever feel italian but i right. definitely was well aware that I was not Italian, and yeah, it, that was a tough crowd, man. It was, it was a bunch of like, you know, it was that pre-grown-up, gaudy, blowout sort of Brooklyn Italian dude. Okay. But they were no joke. They were tough, fucking. They were tough. They were a tough crowd, man. I, and I was not fucking with any of them. No, 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 no. That's uh, that's where I learned when I when I went from L.A. to New York because I came out here and then got what I thought was good at comedy stand up and then moved to New York to do SNL. And then like, I was like, Oh, I'm good at stand up. And when I got there, I was like, Oh no, these guys are, this is a tougher crowd. They paid money. This isn't a free backyard show. Yeah. Uh, but it makes you better. It's it made like me, sink, or, sink or swim. Yeah. It made me so much tighter. Cause I'm like, Oh, they don't want to see me read out of my notebook. They're like, I fucking paid to watch this guy read an idea. No, no. I want okay. that idea done. No, uh, you can glance. On a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, during the week, you can, you can still look down. No, absolutely. you're being funny. No, exactly. But I was like, yeah, it was just like a real, when I got there and the, the crowds are just meaner in New York in a good way. Uh, I like them better either, either way. I, I, now, what I year did you go there? I didn't move there until 2013. Yeah. How do you, because I was there all last summer and I felt like, I just kept going back and forth like, are these crowds terrible and soft? Or am I just that old guy where time has passed me by and I can't relate to young people anymore? And no, I don't. Uh, I'm not careful. I'll be that bitter guy on stage. <laughs> well, I was that bitter guy, but I was like, I was only, I was like 28. So I, I don't know. I just had like the best 15 on how I hated New York City because I did. And, uh, and then I, I forget who it was who came up to me and they were like, you need to move. This is not fun for like you look angry i'm like i am this city's just so hard for me uh and then well, I came where do you back. live now oh you live in la that's right yeah yeah I, 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 moved, I, I just feel i've i had trouble like enjoying los angeles and all that then moving to new york failing on a television show and not harboring that against the city as opposed to my own abilities that's not a fail dude sure just getting on snl man that's, well that's very I nice got there no, I know, but it's still it's still not fun to to you know only do one season there. Bottom line, I blame New York. So we all got we all got that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everybody's got a little like <laughs> we wasn't... all got that. Hey, did I make it? <laughs> Slam! No, you didn't. I remember my friend Nick Turner. Right when I got it, I rode my bike over to his house because I was riding on it first, and I was like, "Dude, I'm a cast member." And he goes, "Well, you got a fifty percent chance of being in movies," and I was like. 
no, it's a hundred, right? And he was like, yeah. it's not. Yeah, don't listen to that shit. I'm telling you, dude. It's 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 like if if you buy into that, right. I, you know, I've I've watched unfortunately some people that I know that gave away all their power to a failure. Yeah, and they I know. Said, this happened and that ended my career. It's like, well, yeah. I mean, if you if you wanted to, that happened. That ended my time in New York. I would so yeah. I just blame New York with this whole blanket. I came back out here. I I enjoy it much more now. Uh, so, but then you didn't. I know you a- said rad earlier, so I think you're fitting in real well. Yeah, very chill, very cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so wait, but didn't you have like a pilot where you got you got cast in a pilot like really young, right? Yeah, I did a sitcom, and that was the thing. I went from like barely getting uh, spots in New York City. And then uh, I replaced somebody on a go pilot. Oh, shit. That's the so I dream. Literally, I, I went from living at home with my parents at 27. Okay. Eight months later, I'm in L.A. on a go pilot being green screened into a, a, a wedding scene. <laughs> and now it, and it, dude, you want to talk about, like, what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah. I mean, I'm German-Irish, so I was able to, like, kind of... <laughs> suppress that but um and then i went from making no money to like making i made i made like i made 11 grand an episode yeah with a grand of that going to william morris back in the day and we did half a season and then we just got taken off the schedule and it was over right and then i had my money that i made from that and the next pilot season went around and I didn't book anything. So then I had that stink on me of like, or at least I thought I did of like, right. oh, this guy, he just, he just got lucky. And for the next, like, that thing went off the air, mid-90s, nothing happened to me of significance until Chappelle's show in like 2003. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was like the best peak me watching so, but, television. But that was like... That's a while. That's a long time for like, you. I mean, I, I, I booked that pilot. I remember this guy going, man, nobody ever made it faster than you. And like a month <laughs> later, boom, back down to the pavement. Yeah. Then I had nothing going on. And then I was in LA and I didn't want to be in LA. I yeah. wanted to be in New York. But then my mindset was like, I need to be on a sitcom to feel successful again. And uh-huh. I chased this fucking thing that I didn't want. So I wasn't doing well in auditions because I didn't give a shit about it. And then I couldn't get up at the Laugh Factory. I mean, the Laugh Factory banned me. Because <laughs> I, sa- I said the F word too much one set. And he was like, Bobby, what happened, man? Your show go off the air and then you fuck, fuck, fuck all over the place. And I laughed thinking he was joking. And then he didn't give me any spots. And then, I, did I get bad advice or did I do it myself? I called up and I apologized to him. Oh, Worst thing I could do. Yeah. Then he's like, oh, now he's my little marionette puppet body. No, he no, would no. never admit to any of this. I love right. Jamie Masada, but I always break his balls about all of that shit. So um, then it took me like another three years for me to just be like, what did I want to do? Yeah. You know? And at that point, me and my manager, we fought. We went our separate ways. Uh, and I went back to New York. No manager, no agent, got unincorporated moved back into my walkthrough bedroom apartment Ooh. that Robert Kelly was now renting the walkthrough apartments. In other words, three of us there. Yes. But I was, I, I'll never forget my first set when I went back there on a Tuesday night in front of like 11 people at the comic strip. 
I, I felt like I felt like a thousand pound weight was off me. Oh, I'm that's like, a, this, this is what I want to do, dude. That's incredible. I, I, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah, that's great. We so we just had like opposite New York and LA. Like you came out here, did a show you didn't like, and then was like, "Fuck this!" And I did it with New York. Oh, yeah, and I blamed LA. I blamed yeah. LA. I, I blamed LA. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's so plastic and phony, and I'm so fucking real, man. I can't <laughs> handle. It. I went through all of that dumb shit. Yeah, me too. And it was just like, no, just like, you're not supposed to be here. Yeah. This, this doesn't feel good. And then I went to New York and I stayed there for a wonderful eight years. And awesome. things started to happen for me. And then all of a sudden I come out to LA and I started to like it again. And I was fighting it. Uh, I wanna, no, I said, I'd never come. I'm an East Coast guy. Yeah. I, have a, I have a leather jacket, right? <laughs> um, and then I just finally was just like, all right, I'm, I'm sick of living like an animal in New York. Uh-huh. I guess if I knew that I could, could have moved out of the city to Jersey or, or a little upstate or something, I yep. maybe would have done that. But I was just like, I like the way, I, I mean, I'm in my late 30s now. I, I just can't live on top of people and another thousand people on top. I can't do it anymore. I want a car. I want a garage. Yeah. I want a parking spot. I just, I just want to fucking do that. And um, yeah, now 13 years later, I'm kind of like, a West Coast guy, I guess. I don't yeah, know. You have a wife and two kids. You have a nice house. It's great. It's great. No, it's great. It's incredible. Okay, Bill, I'll, I'll let you go, man. I, I, that's a, I don't know. Usually I like to stop when somebody's like has like a point where they're like, it didn't happen. But I like, make no points. I just no, talk until no, the but other I'm, person tells me to shut up. I'm just saying you had like three different moments of like, it's going to work and it didn't. And then it's going to work and it didn't. And then it's going to work and it did. And that's just like very nice for me and I'm sure a lot of other people to hear. So thanks for fucking... You know. Dude, I'm going through that right now. Me and a buddy of mine just wrote a great script. People like it, but you know, we're white. So <laughs> they got to act like they're not racist. So, Dude, I, this, it's so nuts. This business doesn't know how to just pick the best thing. Uh, they're point, just like, we're not hiring people of color for a hundred years. And then it's just like, we need to correct this. Fuck white guys. And it's just like, why can't you assholes just be like, you know what? I read 10 of these things. This thing is the best. <laughs> oh, look at you. It happens to be you. They, they just can't do that. So yeah, I had a pilot this uh -uh. morning. Uh, we were, I'm dealing with that now. We're in the middle of the notes process. And then they're just like, hey, this company's not making any scripted content. And I was like, you should have waited till this is this morning. And it was like, all I had, the light at the end of the tunnel for this quarantine. I was like, you should have waited till this was done. And I could have lied to myself during this time, yeah. you're maniacs. My favorite uh, one was, we're not doing any specials with North, with North American comics. <laughs> and it's just like, I know what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Bill, man, I really, I, I sincerely appreciate you making, first of all, Things Comedy, which this is on. You guys have like never given me a note, which maybe I should have notes sometimes. No, 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 do you think? Well, we're trying to create a place because I'm already seeing these, these these old school behind the music contracts that, that these fucking agents and shit are trying to give the comedians where they're going to own your podcast and all that. You got to understand like young comics, like I'm telling you, look what Joe Rogan did and what Joe Rogan did is going to work for you. And it's also going to make all these sharks swim around you because they they want to get a piece of that. And they don't want just 10% of what Joe got. They want to own what Joe has and give Joe 10%. That's how they operate. And they all hide behind, well, that's how business is done. They're fucking, they're fucking soulless 
Yeah. Soulless, brutal. Did you see that chick who caught fucking that agency? No. What happened? I don't want to fucking, you know. Okay. What? Well, I don't, you know, she was young. They, they take this million bucks and she just kept asking questions and questions and questions. She found out her own agent. She had a back end deal with the, the people that were given the million bucks were telling her to take the million bucks, don't okay. own your show. And then they were getting this fucking kickback. They were taking her money. No, 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 no good. Yeah. And then somebody else with that same agency looked in and they caught him doing the same fucking thing. And this is the thing. What they're doing is not an anomaly. That's, they do that all the fucking time. So All Things Comedy is an oasis away from that where artists can come in, own your podcast, do the projects you want to do and own what, the, what you want to own. No, it's so cool. I, but only, it's still fucking fun to come in and edit at you guys' studio. Everybody works is the fucking best. Thanks a bunch, Bill, for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. No worries. It. All right, Wait. Brooks. Thanks, buddy. I'll see uh, you. I'll see you later, dude. Thank you so much. Thank you.